say you are now no. relevant. You've earned that. You've earned that. Do not let anybody take that away from you. You have earned it. For all that we have put up, for everything that we've had to deal with, you've earned the right to be the first place team in the NFC. Ooh. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's who you are. Okay? So, so I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. Act like it. Be professional. Understand what it takes to be a professional. And do the professional thing. And understand this. Nobody, and I promise you, nobody wants to play who play us. I'm telling you that right now. We're doing things the right way. Continue to work. Continue to work and do the things you need to do, guys. And you give yourselves an opportunity to be very, very special. Okay? Let's see. Stay on point. Stay on point. Now, here we go. Team ball three. One, two, three, team. All right, that is quite the dramatic opening to this uh, standing room only podcast. I've never been more pumped up because instead of that intro music, that was Ron Rivera uh, telling his players after another big win that they are doing all right. Nobody wants nobody wants to face them, according to their head coach. You know what? He might just be right at this point. An, an, another big win for the Washington football team, and we're going to talk about that here. Uh, on the Standard Group Only podcast. I am Ben Standig, cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Uh, joining me, I've got two two combatants. Let, let me explain who they are. In, in, in one corner, he's a diehard Washington football team fan who also makes his name as the uh, boxing insider for The Athletic. He is a returning guest. He is Mike Coppinger. Mike, how are you? Doing great, Ben. Good to be back on the show and pumped to talk about another win. Rare, hard to really weird to say that, but it's here we it, are. It remains, it remains weird. And in the uh, in in the other corner, he is a ri- rising star in the journalism st- journalism scene. He brings a uh, quick wit and uh, knockout prose to to everything he does. He is the Washington Times reporter Matt Paris. Matt, how about that? That was quite the intro. Thank you. But oh well, that, uh, yeah, 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 the intro. <laughs> um, Crazy. I mean, you know, uh, I don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm, these guys have, uh, I'm always like this after I uh, finished writing an article a few minutes ago and I'm like three cups of coffee deep. So my, uh, it's hard for me to even like sit still uh, right now, let alone, uh, <laughs> let alone try to formulate a plan for this podcast, but there's so much to get into. I'm excited to talk to you guys. We got to talk about that defensive performance. Chase Young was the best player in the game. We got to talk about the quarterback situation and we just got to talk about kind of where these guys or, or, or at, um, to, to, to stick with the boxing theme since Mike is here, I'll, I'll just say round one. Let's just go with the bigger picture on some level because uh, because we'll get to the specifics of this game. But on some level, the game, while it's important because it's the game, it sort of is overshadowed by where we're at. And where we're at is the Washington football team is in first place in the NFC East. The Giants lost today to the Arizona Cardinals. And the Washington football team now six and seven sits atop the division uh mike uh, how do you how do you how do you process this it's not even just that so much they're in first place because this division still not very good so they're fortunate that nobody else ran away with it but from where they were at the beginning of the year the level of the the level of competence out of the field is is especially defensively right now is quite a turnaround from where things were at the beginning of the year yeah, Ben, I am ashamed to say that I have watched a lot of NFC's football in 2020, and I don't think there's really any doubt that the Washington football team is the best team in that division. I mean, these guys, I still don't know how to swept by the Giants, but they could easily be over 500 right now. And 
like you said, the offense isn't the sexiest. You have Alex Smith there really as a game manager. But that defense is just downright scary. I mean, they attack the ball. They make big plays. Two touchdowns today. And not that I think this team's really going, like, making a playoff run or anything. But I think Rivera's right that this is a dangerous team to play right now. Have, have you uh... – this is a really an important question as you're, since you're representing all of Washington fan base, have you bought a Jersey yet? And if not, whose Jersey are you buying from this team? I assume I, maybe I could guess, but maybe I can't, I don't know. Have, have you bought one yet? I think I might be retired from the Jersey buying process. I have too many really bad jerseys to name. Rod Gardner, oh, Ramsey. My oh, favorite is honestly the Fritz move one I have, but, uh, you know, so I think I'm retired from that, but if I was going to buy a jersey, it would definitely be Chase Young. There's no question. With Scary Terry, a close second. I think you I think you told me about that horrendous uh, that, that that horrendous jersey the last time. Because when you mentioned Rod Gardner again, I think my head just exploded, and I think that happened the last time. Um, hey, they call him 50-50. Yeah, yeah, he he had some really he had some really bad uh, some really bad hands. Um, Matt, uh, you know, we've been we've been out there toiling out at Ashburn since the summer. It's not even just that they were they started the season one and four, right? Or no, one and five. Sorry, uh, it's not even that they had the quarterback change early in the season. We'll get to the was another quarterback change by default this time. Um, it's the everything was happening with the organization, all, all the stuff. Some of it's still ongoing with Dan Snyder and the, um, uh, you know, and, and what's going on in his side of the building. But to go from that to the mixed messaging to all the things happening at the beginning of the year. And to, to be where they're at now, like how I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly surprised that they've come come around like this uh, to to this degree. Where, where are you at on the surprise scale right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm shocked, and I think kind of the most shocking thing about it too is just the fact that it's really broken their way. Like not just so much the division, but you know, you think about the moves that they made this offseason, getting guys like Lou and Thomas, JD McKissick. All those smaller moves are are now adding up and. You know, you look at why I think this season is encouraging, not just so much from a, a first place standpoint is, you know, it seems like they have genuine talent around, obviously Chase Young. Um, it's hard to miss on the number two pick, but it, it's a great thing when he does live up to those expectations. Terry McLaurin, even a guy like Cam Sims, who, you know, not a lot of people put a lot of stock into, he, he's had a nice stretch here. So even though he didn't do much today, tonight. So, you know, they have a lot of, of talent, which is just kind of a weird thing to say, especially on defense. Montez Sweat has taken another step in his game. The interior rush with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. It's just, you know, it, when we were evaluating this roster a few months ago, it looked like there were going to be, that they still needed a lot of upgrades and a lot of steps to take. And I think, you know, there's certainly upgrades you could make, but they're, they have a pretty good foundation right now, which is what I it was important for them to find out. You mentioned things breaking their way. Can we let's just talk about a couple of things that have just happened, even just fairly recently, right? The last four games. Here's how things are broken their way. They're playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati's going up and down the field on them. They start the second half. Joe Burrow, Cincinnati's you know starting quarterback, the number one pick of the draft, uh, unfortunately suffers a a season-ending knee injury. The Bengals don't score again. Washington closes out the game. Maybe they maybe that happens anyway, but. It was dramatically different when he goes out. Then they get Dallas. Uh, the final score was 41 to 16, but it was 20 to 16, I believe. Uh, Dallas, for the second time they played, had big injuries on their offensive line. Two two starters went out in the first quarter. 
Washington took advantage of it. They went from there. Then they get Pittsburgh last week. The Steelers, the previous game, had to have their game delayed all the way from Sunday, right, to Wednesday because of the COVID situation going on in their side as well as the Ravens' side. Then they play uh, Washington a couple of, a few days later. They were without uh, their starting running back and their starting center. I think both of those were COVID-related. Obviously, everybody in the league is dealing with that, but I'm just saying at that moment in time, Pittsburgh's world gets upended. And now you get San Francisco. Now, obviously, the 49ers have had a ton of injuries uh, all season, but because the, because of what's happening in California, their county, <laughs> Santa Clara County, decides no more contact sports for now. So they, get, they have to play the game in Arizona, which makes it a neutral side game for both teams. But even weirder, at least Washington's been on a normal routine. The, the 49ers are living at a hotel. So <laughs> things are breaking all kinds of right for Washington right now. Again, this is just how it works. There's been plenty of times in the past where things were, did not go their way, obviously. But everything really is breaking um, breaking their way right now. It is quite remarkable. Um, all right, let's go to round two, the defense, but specifically Chase Young. And, and, and Mike, you're in a sport where it's one guy. There's only the one guy out there, so there's no, there's no team. There's nobody else who's going to be the best player on the field except for whoever the boxer is that's going to be the best guy that night. But on football, you know, it's not easy to be the best player on the field when you're not the quarterback. It could be a receiver, but like typically it's not somebody on defense. It could be, but it's not often. Well, today it was. Chase Young was literally all over the place. He picks up the, the, the a fumble off the ground, r- r- runs it back 47 yards for the touchdown. Even just him picking it up smoothly as he did was, was impressive because obviously we see lots of guys botch, <laughs> botch those plays. He also forced a fumble. He also had a sack. He also had a pass deflection. He also seemed to just be all over the place. Every other play, his energy is, is, is infectious. Uh, you know, it's almost a, a laughable that just a few weeks ago, we were having some debate, not really, but like people were bringing up the idea of is Chase Young underwhelming at this point? Did they make a mistake not taking a quarterback with a second pick? <laughs> Lord, this guy is unbelievable. And, and I mean, and he's still only a, a rookie, Mike. It, it, it's, it's, it's insane what, what, what he's showing us right now. I, mean, I don't know how anyone could say that. Anyone who's saying that Chase Young has been underwhelming, he's clearly just a stat reader and isn't actually watching the games. Because this guy's been a killer since week one. And I, I, dare I say this is one of the rare times that a Washington bally, much ballyhooed uh, you know, acquisition is actually exceeding the expectations. Chase Young has been awesome. He was clearly the best player on the field today, like you said. And I, like you also said, I was so impressed by the way he just effortlessly was like, oh, let me just scoop this ball up with one hand and then just run it back. Like there was never a question in my mind that he was going to run it back all the way. So, look, I think the Washington team has been really good. And I also want to point out that you're talking about them getting all these good breaks. They had a lot of bad breaks, too, over the summer. Their head coach gets cancer, um, for starters. They, they have a first-year coach, and then they have COVID, and they can't really practice properly or meet properly for OTAs. They have the whole quarterback controversy with Haskins that they overcame. So I think this team is showing a, a rare, rare trick for a Washington football team that they can beat adversity. And they have a lot of really good players. I mean, Logan Thomas – I think he's a bona fide starter in the NFL. That guy catches everything. And it seems like the first tackler never takes him down. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, look, let, let, let's put it, uh, well, actually, let's stay with the defense for a minute. But, but to your point about that, you know, it, it's it, that there's a lot of guys contributing, uh, Matt, when you look at the defense, 
I mean, Chase Young was the best player. I, I don't think there's really an argument for that. And he was all over the place. But everybody on that defensive front was harassing Nick Mullins all game long. If it wasn't Chase Young, it was Montez Sweat or Jonathan Allen or Deron Payne. Uh, all, all, there was constant pressure up front. Um, I mean, it's kind of amazing. Uh, I, 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 I'll pull up the, uh, the the box score here. But, you know, going into the game, you figured, okay, Washington – is going to struggle running the ball. And the question will be, how, how can they slow down uh, San Francisco? Because San Francisco is one of the better run Ds in or run offenses in the game. Instead, Washington is the one who actually gets, um, who was who more effective on the ground with J.D. McKissick. Washington's defense really did a good, you know, they didn't let Raheem, Raheem Mostert, you know, kind of take over. And, and they really just kind of kept uh, putting pressure on him, and then you had uh, the other defensive touchdown. Cam Curl picks off a Mullins pass out out uh, out towards the sidelines and runs it back. I think what seventy six yards, seventy eight yards um, for for a touchdown. Both Washington's touchdowns came on the defense. Uh, this group, Matt, uh, they've come a long way. Earlier in the year, when they were this top ten defense by ranking, I didn't quite buy it. I do now. They are they are making plays all over the place. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of crazy the amount of like turnover it's had compared to last year when that unit looked like a pretty good defense or even in 2018 when you know they got off to a six and three start that defense was pretty good but they weren't ever playing like this I mean this unit is just it's much better their attention to detail the way that they close out I mean there were plays in that game uh, Ronald like a, a pass breakup from Ronald Darby came to mind I think on third down um John Bostic made a huge stop and John Bostic isn't a guy that you would think of necessarily in pass coverage, but he's been playing pretty well of late. And I think, you know, outside the defensive line, the, the safety position with Cam Curl and DeShazer Everett, and even a guy like J- Jeremy Reeves, I mean, that position has been such a problem for Washington for a long time. And it had even a lot of turnover this year with Landon Collins getting hurt and Troy Apke getting benched, but yet it's been fine and it hasn't been a disaster. So they're getting a lot of production out of that group and pretty much every position. Can I just say real quick how absurd it is looking back that Troy Aki was the day one starter? Yes, yeah, without without question, it's the, the, the between between Troy Aki and then the whole Sean Davis thing it was a very bizarre circumstance there. By the way, since we all watched it on TV, did you guys hear at one point they slipped in, one of the announcers slipped in the idea of with openings up coming up around the league that Jack Del Rio. Might, might could could possibly be in the mix considering how well the defense is playing. I, I don't necessarily know if that's true. I mean, Del Rio has obviously been a coach a couple of times already, but just the idea that Washington's defense was impressing the announcing crew so much that they would even, that they would throw him in there, I think, says a lot about just kind of where uh, where this group is right now. Uh, and, and you're right, like in the game, I mean, DeShazer Everett left the game. We don't quite know where his status is. I think we collectively as the media didn't ask. It was a lot of other things to discuss. Uh, so we didn't get to that. And, uh, oh, well, Logan Thomas, did he did he come back? I lost track. He, he, he oh, came he did. Back, right? Yeah, 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 he came back. Okay. So Everett was the question that, that we had uh, that, that we'll have to deal with. So, yeah, it's – it's it's it, the pieces – you look at some of the pieces beyond the starting defensive line, and you're still kind of like, yeah, all right. I mean, there's some questions. But it, it collectively – I mean, th- this is why it's so, it's so stupid. You build along the lines – for this exact reason, because when you have playmakers up front, they make life so much easier for everybody, everybody behind, behind them. Um, all right, let's go to round three, though. Let's talk about the offense. Not the best day for the offense. Uh, 
other than Dustin Hopkins, three field goals, they really didn't get much going at all. Alex Smith was not very good, was, was rather inaccurate for him. He normally is pretty pinpoint, but he leaves it. He, you could tell he, something was off with him. He was getting checked out by the training staff multiple times during the first half. He doesn't come back, misses the second half. Rivera tells us he's dealing with a calf issue, some discomfort, some tightness, doesn't come back. We get Dwayne Haskins the rest of the game. And uh, I'll, I won't influence the jury, so I'll, I'll turn to you guys. Uh, Mike, what was your, I guess, first I – guess, I guess your thought on, on the quarterback play in general, Smith and then, uh, and then Haskins? Yeah, Alex was definitely off his game at the beginning. And, look, it wasn't that concerning to me because he was similar, I thought, last week against Pittsburgh where he wasn't really solid in the first half. And then he just took off in the second half, taking some deep shots. I thought that first deep ball he had today – I think it was to uh, Foster. Foster could have had it, but he stopped on his route. So that was encouraging. And then when Haskins came in, I said, okay, let's see what he can do. You know, I, I hear all the media narrative um, that he's like, you know, hitting the, play, play, hitting the playbook now, doing all the right things, et cetera, et cetera. And I was just really underwhelmed. He had a few nice throws that were like, I don't know, four or five-yard throws. I guess that makes progress, but just seems shaky to me. That I think that was a pass over the middle that he missed high on was pretty concerning. Uh, probably should have been picked. I think originally it was called a pick, and it was clearly hit the grounds. But I don't know what this team would do if Alex Smith has to miss an extended period of time. Matt. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of adding up on uh, following up on that is just like with Haskins. The thing that stands out to me about Haskins is when he makes a mistake, it, it's really, it's really glaring. I mean, the, the near interception. They were really lucky that that ball hit the ground first because it was just a terrible throw. It's when he's like when it when he's at when he's off the mark. It's just very high. Um, some passes were there, but you know you could tell Alex Smith wasn't right either. Rivera said after the game that he had trouble um, pushing off his throwing leg because of that calf injury, and I think that affected his accuracy a lot. So you know, could Dwayne Haskins, if need be, make another start? I, I think so. Like if. I think they would be okay with it, but, you know, you saw the way that they tailored the game plan to him back there, even though they just, they ran the ball a lot. They actually had some success with JD McKissick and Peyton Barber after Haskins went in, but, um, you know, I think they would really have to tailor the game plan, try and keep it conservative, just have Haskins resort to like check down throws and not, uh, you know, just keep it as simple as possible because right now he just doesn't, doesn't have the mechanics to to run like a, a functional offense, which is why they made the change in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I basically agree with with the jury here. I, I mean, he so this isn't about Dwayne Haskins, but it's interesting in the sense that so the article I wrote for the Athletic that by the time you guys hear this will will be up. But for me, the the angle I went with was like basically this was a game of Washington's past, meaning. Kyle Shanahan, Trent Williams, Jordan Reed, and kind of what they represent each of them in terms of, you know, uh, the, 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 the various chaoses that have gone through this organization versus their present with Ron Rivera, Chase Young, and everybody else pushing more a more hopeful, uh, a hopeful uh, narrative if, if things continue to progress. And so far, they are. And Dwayne Haskins, when he came in, that could have put things over the top. Not that one half of football would have solved Washington's quarterback issues going forward. But, you know, we saw, like, even with Alex Smith himself, he was a disaster when he came in in week five in relief in his first game in two years. We gave him a pass. But he was significantly better when he came back 
a few weeks later when Kyle Allen got hurt and then progressed from there. And that's what you like to see with any, with any player off of that. And when you were like, okay, so Haskins comes in in the first drive, Hey, they move the ball. They go all the way down the field to get a field goal. He was making some crisp throws. He had some good decisions, looked pretty good, but as it progressed, it just felt like we were, it was moving backwards towards sort of the, you know, I don't want to say the high school offense, but it felt like there was not much going on. Um, even the last drive, Matt and I were talking about this before the, before we started here about when they were trying to run out the clock, even that looks sort of chaotic. And it doesn't feel like he's picked up the, the, the he, he's progressed enough. Again, I'm not saying his career is over. I'm just saying if right now Alex Smith can't go, that wouldn't feel, I wouldn't feel very good about that. Um, but just to go into some other parts of, of the offense, um, JD McKissick, look, I said before, I didn't think they'd be able to run the ball that well. Little and and you know and McKissick would be more of a factor as a receiver. Instead, it was the opposite. He gets 68 yards on 11 carries, 6.2 yards uh, per, per carry, and they just didn't have much else going on in the passing attack. Again, neither quarterback was very good. Terry McLaurin was very quiet. They were very lucky, Mike, that the defense scored touchdowns because the offense wasn't doing much. Also, no Antonio Gibson. Uh, what I guess what what stood out to you about the offense beyond the. Uh, or, or including, if you want, if you want to go back to the quarterback, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, just going back to the quarterback really quick. I, I would say that when Alex Smith is in there, even when he's missing his passes, that there's a overall air of confidence in the huddle, like in the tempo and the rhythm and everything. And with Haskins, I'm like, I'm just waiting for the pick six to come, and it just seems like no one's confident in the huddle. Maybe I'm over overthinking this and reading too much into it, but it just seems like everything changes. But um. Like I said earlier, too, I, I just think that Logan Thomas, not enough is made about how good that guy is. Um, I, I know he was signed on a, on a low-cost deal, but that guy catches everything. And I, I think if he, if he was going to be a free agent this year, he would get paid pretty nicely. Um, elsewhere, it, it just seems like Steven Sims, ever since he left early in the year, he just doesn't have the same pop anymore. Like, he just seems like a step slower. Yeah, no, I would totally agree with that. I mean, Sims – the way he looked in training camp, it really seemed like he was poised for a breakout season. A lot of people were talking about how his route running had just become a lot more crisp, how he was using his speed. But yeah, ever since that injury, he really hasn't regained that form. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of Trey Quinn. You know, Trey Quinn kind of flashed before, not last season, but, the, you know, in training camp or whatever. But then he just kind of fizzled out as well. And, you know, we've seen these slot corners who are a nice late round store or not slot corners, slot receivers who are like these nice late round stories who just really haven't panned out. And, you know, I wonder if Isaiah Wright is going to be like the same thing next year where some guy comes along and kind of unseats him too, because Isaiah Wright has had a nice uh, season here, but he hasn't done anything that necessarily you would think that, okay, this guy's your slot receiver of the future. No, he's also may, probably not your emergency quarterback based on that one play. Where they, uh, <laughs> or, or they were very lucky that the, 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 this game's trick play uh, <laughs> didn't turn into an absolute disaster when they threw the ball behind the line of scrimmage to Isaiah, right? I mean, I thought that was an incredibly ballsy call. Not so much that the, the play design, but that you threw the ball backwards to have the undrafted rookie free agent wide receiver determine whether he was going to throw the ball downfield or run with it or do whatever. Uh, but you know, Scott Turner is definitely feeling himself as evidenced by uh, by that by that decision. But uh, yeah, Steven Sims had a, had a key drop. It, it was you know it was a pass right, it was a pass from Haskins. It wasn't perfect, but it was catchable. And uh, and, he, and he and he missed that opportunity. Beyond that, there really just was not much happening in the passing game. Again. We already discussed that neither quarterback had it going. We'll see if Antonio Gibson can come back next week. 
Um, you know, this is two games in a row where McLaurin was a non-factor statistically. Uh, I'm sure the, the the tape will show that you know the, the defense was, was was shading him logically as they should. Um, but you know, it's harder to it's 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 easier for the defense to do that when Gibson's not on the field because he's another big time threat. And obviously, without, without Alex um, being in effective and then being in the game, it makes it even more complicated. Um, all right, we're here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Ben Standing here with uh, Mike Hoppinger and Matt Paris. So, all right, we've gone through three rounds. It's time to go to the scorecards. Here we go. The, the, the question is this. Do you believe, if you, you, you study the tape, you watch the game, do you actually believe now in the Washington football team there's the division? Do you believe in them winning the division? And if they do, do you believe in them actually, as Ron Rivera said at the top of this podcast, that they're the they're a team that nobody wants to play. That they can actually make noise in in the postseason. Matt, I'll, I'll let you as the uh, as the other uh, beat reporter here. I'll let you go first. What's your scorecard say? Whether you believe in this team? Um, I I would go ten nine, not ten eight. Uh, I believe that they they are going to win the division or or can win the division. But yeah, I would lean toward them winning the division now. But you know, I just don't – it just kind of depends on the matchup for the wild card. I certainly don't see them if they win a playoff game advancing farther than that. But, you know, there's a scenario maybe you get an old Tom Brady who's on his last legs and maybe they pull an upset there. But, you know, Russell Wilson is really good. At, that makes this week's game uh, pretty relevant because if the, playoffs start, if the playoffs started today, obviously it would be Seattle and Washington in the wild card round. Um, so, you know, it, it's there to measure. But, yeah, I – kind of like their schedule down the stretch obviously Seattle Carolina and the Eagles are a lot more you know enticing than uh, I think the Giants schedule and even you know the Eagles they won today but you know I don't think it's I would lean toward Washington still yeah and so Mike there's just to set it up so Washington schedule the last three games home to Seattle next week home to Carolina, who's just, you know, kind of been a mess as the season's progressed, and then close the season at Philadelphia. The Eagles did pull off a big win today, uh, beating the Saints with uh, Jalen Hurts at quarterback. So uh, didn't watch the game, obviously, while doing this, but, you know, an impressive win regardless. Whereas the Giants schedule, we'll just focus on them. Next week, Sunday night, home to Cleveland, who's one of the better teams in, the, in football this year, which is wacky, but, hey, 2020. Uh, then they're at Baltimore against the Ravens, and then they close out the season against Dallas. And, you know, look, Dallas has obviously been very enigmatic all season, but they had a big win today as well. So I guess the Washington has the easier schedule, but, you know, at the same point, they can't afford to end up in a tie if they do the Giants win. So, Mike, what's your scorecard read on the believing front with this team? I'm a 10-8 that they're going to win the division. I feel pretty good about that. Less about them and more about the Giants. I think they're just an awful team. I don't know how they even have that any wins. But Daniel Jones should be a backup, and I think he will be before not too long. Um, but, you know, this team, like like Matt said, I wouldn't be shocked if they could maybe score an upset at, at a home game in the wild card, but I don't see anything past that. I would feel a lot better about this team if they had more options uh, in the receiving game. Forget about the running backs. It seems like every third down, the opposing defenses, and you guys would know better than me, I'm a fan, seems like they know that either Terry McLaurin or Logan Thomas is going to get the ball. And if this team just had one bonafide starting receiver opposite Terry McLaurin and then a really solid number two tight ends, I would feel really good about this team. It's amazing that the backup tight end position, it's almost like this, that it doesn't even exist. I mean, in terms of, in terms of the receiving threat, it's in the complete 
non-factor. I mean, I think we've seen that when Gibson, McLaurin, and and McKissick are out there with Logan Thomas, I mean, crazy to say, that's a pretty formidable quartet right there. And then Cam Sims can be the X factor. He's made lots of catches down the field, but you take off. So even if they look, we saw last week with Pittsburgh, they take McLaurin out, they could still play, but Gibson not playing plus them plus taking McLaurin out at that point, I think it really becomes problematic. And again, look, even Logan Thomas left this game at one point. So I don't know where he, where he was at physically uh, afterwards. All right. Since you guys went along with the bit, I guess I will as well. Um, in terms of winning division, I'll go, I'll go 10, nine. I mean, look, if they can win one of the last three, then the Giants have to win two of their last three, right? So, I, I, you know, a bit, it, it, I don't know if they beat Seattle, but Carolina or Philly, I think they win one of those two games. That's enough. I don't see the Giants. I mean, it is weird that Daniel Jones became the most pivotal player in the division uh, considering where his season's been at. But regardless, it's just hard to see how the Giants are going to win uh, win two of these last three games look anything's possible they just beat seattle we could go i'm not discounting it but based on the odds i would say washington has a chance beyond that boy i don't know look if alex smith is healthy and alex smith is effective the way he has been the previous during this most of the winning streak i think they have a puncher's chance this defense the way it's looked the last three or you know a few weeks i think they can play with just about anybody whether the offense can score 20 plus points is the question. And I don't, I don't know if I don't feel good about that, but if Alex Smith is right, which we'll see where he's at after this, I, I think they have a chance to be interesting, but that said, I'm not going to go overly, I'm not going overboard. Maybe it's because maybe it's a coffee talk and it's got me even more, more hyped up or maybe it's that Rivera hype video right, right off the bat. But either way, it's hard not to feel good about the Washington football team right now. And for, for fans like you, Mike, I'm, I'm happy that, that, that it's uh that it swung around this way because the last 20 years. Hey, I, I don't like using that word swung. I'm thinking of the swinging gate now. Oh God. Well, let's not, let's not go there. I won't, I won't even tell you what I really, what the season's really started to remind me of. I'm not even going to mention it beyond what I just said. Maybe I'll write about it at some point, but uh, I don't want to mention it just because it could lead to other bad, bad, bad thoughts. Um, but anyway, Mike, any last uh, final words from you uh, before we let you get back to your, uh, uh, your, your, your boxing world? Yeah, big week coming up. I'm going to be going to San Antonio uh, a couple of days to go cover Canelo Alvarez versus Callum Smith. But um, I would say one quick thing about the Washington football team is that when I look at the roster, it always seemed like we were missing those kind of glue guys. And when I think of those guys, I think of Jonathan Allen. Like That guy always seems to be like right in the middle of the play. He's a great leader. He's strong. And it seems like we have way more, may, more of those players now than we ever have done, have in the past where – it seems like those kind of guys that are on the championship winning teams. And Jonathan Allen's one of them. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I've said for years, people always focus on like the big names, like that. that's where like the issues are. They don't have stars. And I said that one of the big mistakes of, was of the Dan Snyder era going way back is he gutted the law. He gutted the culture. Not, I'm not talking about doing things the right way. I'm just talking about like, who were the, who were the voices in the locker room? Who are the people that year in and year out when they were still good told the next incoming group, Here's what here's the here's the level you need to be at. Here's what here's what your expectations. But when it became the, all, all the mercenaries started coming in from Bruce Smith and Dion Sanders and so on, when you, and then you simultaneously got rid of the Brian Mitchells of the world, money dictated power, and those guys became the voices of the team, and they didn't give a crap. They weren't. They, Bruce Smith isn't retiring as a member of the Washington Football Team or the Washington Redskins. And 
he's somebody else's guy. And they just didn't have that. But then in the last few years here, finally, because they've been more focused on the draft, you have more of the younger guys in the locker room, including your Jonathan Allens, those types of players. And now it's Chase Young and McLaurin. There is a base of guys who've now been here year over year. And you also have veterans like Ryan Kerrigan, who obviously has been here. I do think that is a huge factor. And then Rivera's emphasizing it. So I agree. I agree. Having those types of guys, it's not just about talent. It's about guys who, who burn to win and understand what it takes to win. Uh, Matt, final thoughts from you? Yeah, no, just following up on that point. And they just, those guys also are quality football players. They add depth, you know, guys like Jeremy Reeves who have been around, but they've developed, you know, we've seen a lot of players go from lesser roles. And then when they've started to get more responsibility, they've been able to handle it. Guys like Jeremy Reeves, Cam Sims, um, you know, even Cole Holcomb was a, a bit of a, line, a backup and then went to become a starter now. So, you know, th- they've played really well and um, they have some, they just have those solid guys that every football team needs that, and they're getting the job done. Awesome. Uh, all right. You guys were a knockout combination. I definitely appreciate it. Um, I'm going to let Matt uh, talk Mike's ear off if Mike's willing about the, about the boxing card from last night, which was really fun. Uh, go read Mike's uh, work on The Athletic. Go read Matt at The Washington Times. I'm at The Athletic as well. Follow, uh, subscribe to this podcast, if I didn't say it before. Uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes, all that fun stuff. Uh, yada, yada, yada. All right, that's it for now on this episode of the State of Your Only podcast. <laughs> we'll have more to talk about, about a first place Washington football team. What a world. But until next time, see you.